Folks, we're sponsored today by Donors Trust, the tax-friendly way to preserve your charitable giving. In times of crisis, those with a giving spirit and a desire to build up civil society find ways to be helpful. And that's when it's good to have a charitable resource ready to deploy when they're needed most. Donors Trust offers donor-advised funds or giving accounts. You can use these funds as your own charitable investment account and manage your charitable giving in a way that's smart, tax-advantaged, aligned with your values, and private. Donors Trust clients are using their funds to support charities helping their local communities while also using their giving account to simultaneously support think tanks and liberty-minded organizations that believe our constitutional rights shouldn't get lost in a time of emergency. Now is the time to take a closer look at Donors Trust and join their community of liberty-minded donors by opening a donor-advised fund. Go to DonorsTrust.org slash JustNews for the ultimate survival guide to charitable giving and learn how a donor advised fund can preserve your ability to give to the charities you love. That's DonorsTrust.org slash Just News. Hello, ladies. Hello, gentlemen. This is the Victor Davis Hanson Show. I'm Jack Fowler, the host the star, the namesake, Victor Davis Hansen, is the Martin and Ely Anderson Senior Fellow at the Hoover Institution and the Wayne and Marsha Buskey Distinguished Fellow in History at Hillsdale College. Victor, do you know what November 1st is? November 1st, the day yeah. after Halloween. Yeah, it's All Saints Day. It's Holy Day of Obligation, but uh, for us Catholics. Your St. Nazio didn't cure me for my chronic sinus infection, so I had to have an operation. Remember that when you said you were pray praying to say St. Nazio for me? You, may <laughs> Victor, there is no St. Nazio. I'm just teasing up. you. <laughs> it's St. Septicus. So. Okay. St. <laughs> uh, Turbinat Turbinitus. <laughs> Septimus Sinatitis, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, he was a martyr in the in the second century. Okay, but all levity aside, well, I don't know. Maybe there's a little levity in the first topic we're going to talk about, and that's the um, the uh, Pennsylvania Senate debates between Oz and Fetterman, and we're going to get Victor's views on that debate right after these important messages. Can't pay the IRS? Haven't filed in a while? Receiving threatening letters? Yeah, it's about to get worse. The IRS is hiring an army of agents targeting hardworking Americans like you. You need warriors on your side. You need Tax Network USA. Tax Network USA employs brilliant strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. For instance, they've discovered a limited-time special offer that the IRS is willing to waive $1 billion in penalties. Find out if you qualify before it's too late. Never call the IRS alone. Let Tax Network USA attorneys handle it. They have preferred direct lines to the IRS. They know which agents to work with and which to avoid. They've resolved over $1 billion in tax debts and offer a best-in-class guarantee. Schedule your free consultation now. Call one 800 245 Five six thousand. That's one eight hundred two four five six thousand. Or visit taxnetworkusa.com/slash/victor. Taxnetworkusa.com/slash/victor. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. 
Fuel up for them with Factors No Prep No Mess Meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors Fresh, Never Frozen Meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great tasting meals. Make today the day you kickstart a new healthy routine. What are you waiting for? For our listeners, Factor is giving you 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month when you use the promo code VICTOR50 at factormeals.com slash VICTOR50. Choose from six menu preferences to help you manage calories, maximize protein intake, avoid meat, or simply eat well-balanced. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Remember, to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month, head to factormeals.com slash Victor50, that's V-I-C-T-O-R-5-0, and use the code Victor50, that's code Victor50, at factormeals.com slash Victor50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. We're back with the Victor Davis Hanson Show. Victor, I have to believe you watched the debate or or saw clips of the debate. I was watching a little bit of, of um, the Fox Media Show, and this was a big, big topic. Of course, the... Um, Fetterman comes on to the uh, starts the debate by saying good night. Uh, Fetterman answers a question most awkwardly about fracking. You know, Victor, the post debate analyses, you know, some people disregarded it totally, ignored it. MSNBC type, some didn't. There's a lot of, oh, you know, I feel for him. He shouldn't be up on the stage. I'm a lot less sympathetic personally. He and his wife knew exactly the condition he was in, and I think actually tried to exploit his um, his health status in order to prevail in November. Anyway, Victor, these polls are have closed. I saw a recent poll now that that Oz is actually ahead, uh, quite a distance from where he had been uh, weeks ago, months ago. Victor, what are your thoughts on? on, if you don't mind, on the debate performance itself and on, and on the analysis of the debate yeah. performance. Well, remember that, was it an NBC reporter or CBS that told the truth and said that in the pre-interview chit-chat, he was incoherent. And of course, they turned on her and she was redeemed by the actual performance. I saw a lot of clips, maybe 20 minutes worth, 30 minutes. And... I think the narrative from the conservative side is these people should be ashamed of themselves for putting somebody out there. But remember what their strategy was. So as far as answer your question, the debate was pathetic. He had brain freezes. When you start off and say good night, you know, for good evening, it goes downhill from there. He didn't know what to say about fracking. The thing that we remember about the debate is had he been 100% cognizant, he still would have been a bad debater because he was a hard leftist who believed in a revolving door criminal justice system, uh, defund the police, no bail laws, um, open border, you name it. And he would have had to lie 
to win that election and say that he didn't believe it. He tried to, but it was a force multiplying effect that he's cognitively impaired. Which brings up this larger question of the strategy. He de delayed and delayed and delayed and delayed. And then he finally conceded and he did two smart things. By delaying, we had what, 600,000 ballots or something that had already been cast. That was yeah. the point of the delay. Right. And then second, the closed captioning took up, I don't know, 15%, 20% of the allotted time. So he had less time in the debate while not saying that, you know, I only want 30 minutes. He had the normal time span, but it really wasn't the normal time span. And then, of course, that provided him with an excuse. Well, he had to read the, the closed captioning. Of course, nobody's had to do that before. So, you, you know, it's how ridiculous is a left in that trope we demand closed captioning we won't have as much time in the debate good but it's going to be a little bit more difficult because we're demanding something and then we blame oz for it he's going to lose jack and what's happening is collectively across the country these races people are looking at the news cycle and they are seeing they can't afford meat this week they right. can't afford eggs. There's supply chain shortages. They go to the supermarket and they see gaps in the supermarket shelves. They go to the gas pump. I just left, came back about an hour ago. You should see what the psychosis is about diesel fuel. People on a Sunday morning are filling up with diesel fuel and it's nearly $7 a gallon. And that's not sustainable. Right. So nothing is getting better is what I'm trying to say before the election. And we know that's true because we look at the reaction of the left, whether it's Carrie Lake's opponent or whether it's uh, Maggie Hassan in New Hampshire or whether it's John Fetterman. None of these people want to debate because if they were to debate, because they all either as congressional representatives or as senators or as local or regional candidates, they supported 100 percent the Biden two years that have been an under ungodly disaster so you would expect them to do one of two things i'm happy that we have this open border three million people is great i'm happy that the crime rate has spiked because we at least we have fewer people incarcerated i am happy that we're not polluting the atmosphere as much by shutting down anwar new federal leases keystone council well, that's what i like and I like the inflation rate at 8% because uh, these all money bags, rich people get their pile diminished every year by inflation. Okay, they're not defending it, but they're not changing it. They're not saying, okay, let's build, uh, you know, 100 miles of the wall, or let's at least restart Keystone, or can't we at least get rid of this no bail crazy? They're not saying that either. So what are they saying, Jack? They have a third alternative, and that is delay, distract. And let's not debate at all. Let's say that Carrie Lake, somebody broke into Miss Hobbs, somebody broke into my campaign. It was her. Right. I didn't say that when they found the culprit. It had nothing to do with Carrie Lake or the Pelosi. We'll get into that perhaps later in the Pelosi situation. Oh, it's proof that right wing rhetoric is causing mayhem in the streets to people. Or it is January 6th or Mar-a-Lago raid or the semi-fascist. They won't talk about the issues that they supported. They won't defend them. They won't change their course. They go mute. And everybody was waiting for something. And the little abortion tick gave them a little bit of 
breathing room, being the media that is fused with the DNC, they turned that nothing burger into, oh, my God, there is a blue wave after all. You know, Mike, everybody from Michael Moore on was claiming right. it was going to be a big wipeout. Right. So that's over with. And now it's just a question of prepping them for the result in the next eight days. And we know what that is. Voter suppression. Voter suppression, Jack, is not incompatible with record turnout, as we learned from the press right. secretary, Jean-Pierre. It's not right. incompatible. Right. And we know that there's armed thugs at the, at the balloting in Arizona. Look at the Pelosi break-in. And remember, Jack, this is just like 2018. There was the Tree of Life tragic synagogue shooting synagogue where 11 people were killed. Right. And that nut, Bowers or whatever his name was, he said that it was because of the Jews that were causing all the problems, traditional classic anti-Semite. But he also said that Donald Trump was too pro-Jewish i.e. his son-in-law is Jewish and his daughter is a Jewish convert. And he said he's a globalist and he didn't like Trump. And never mind, in the next uh, eight days before the election, it was Donald Trump's rhetoric. Right. It's causing mayhem. It was a world story. They were. It was all over the world. And then they had the shooting, I think, at a supermarket. They added and the mail-in bombing, even though that guy was a nut. And before you know it, I think it really hurt them in the 2018 election because it was like... Well, I don't know who to vote for, but I, I can't vote for all this violence because it's Trump. And that's what they're doing now. So they're going to try in the next eight days to translate the news cycle into a larger theme of Republican killing democracy or violence in the streets or ultra mega violence. It's, yeah. it's not going to help them. It's sort of like you're on the train track. You're tied to the tracks. The locomotive is coming and you're screaming, you know stop or this isn't going to happen or this is a conspiracy it's you're going to get run over and there people are sick of these people we we had a great experiment we were the lab rats they were the mad scientists they got their wish they got the house they got the senate they got the presidency and they unleashed the mad scientists and we got these crackpot theories that no one in their right mind thought anybody took seriously men as women in sports drag shows for kids, canceling these really vital pipelines, shutting down oil fields, begging the Saudis, begging the Russians, begging the Venezuelans, begging the Iranians to pump a fuel that we have in abundance but will not. An open border, it's not an open border, there's no border, three million people. They had that mad scientist experiment. We were the lab rats, they killed off the lab rats. We, we, we suffer, and now they're not going to have any more lab rats. People are going to say, you know what? I'm not going to go through this experiment again. You know, Victor, I th took over, and they've destroyed the country, and we've got to get rid of them for very survival. I think um, these news reports about how drastic uh, the impact has been on school children uh, um, from lockdowns and masks in most places two years behind – um, it's different if your if your kid happened to be in a private school that was open. Catholic school kids had no 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 uh, deleterious effect, but the lab rat kids, hostages to the teachers unions, I have I, just I, been a horror show. Horror. I show. had a, I have a personal interest in that because I have a seven year old special needs granddaughter with a very serious Down like genetic problem called Smith McGinnis. 
And she went into COVID with toilet training and she was not melting down and her cognitive abilities were being developed such as they were. And then bam, two years, California schools shut down and she went in direct reverse and she has not recovered. She's not recovered from her mental stability. She has not recovered her cognitive of what she had. Her They were really working with her and she's never going to be the same, not for years. And that's true of all of these people. And I think you can even argue, Jack, that the country went sort of crazy. So the George Floyd uh -huh. whole aftermath was force multiplied by this shutdown. Even the weird things like there's a news this morning. You know, I had the flu for two weeks, a really weird flu. And I was looking at the paper today. It said this is the earliest and most widespread flu they've had in decades. And I think that was my own crackpot medical theory is, but it's been substantiated by experts from whom I've read that when you put people in lockdown for two years and you don't have their three or four cold exposures and one or two flu, their immune systems get flabby, right? And now you're putting sort of an indigenous people sort of like we're the Aztecs and the the flu is Cortez and we're all vulnerable to being infected again. So there's right. what I'm getting at is in the cancer rate, the total death rate. What I'm getting at is there's so many insidious incremental disasters that are hurting the body politic that all originated from this from this policy of Dr. Right. Fauci's. And I will say, I know I beat this drum and I know the leaders are the leaders, but if you put yourself back in 2020 on the eve of the election, anybody who just said what I was saying, and there were three or four very courageous people, as I keep saying, John Yanides at Stanford and Michael Levette at Stanford and Jay Bacharya at Stanford, and especially Scott Atlas at Stanford, who was directly helping policy, Jack being on that campus, it was surreal what they did to those people. They wrote letters in the paper. They had petitions. They defamed their character. They couldn't walk across the campus. They couldn't go in an elevator without getting confronted by this mob. And now it's sort of like, well, we didn't do that. Everybody knows that the lockdowns were a mistake. You're even seeing these people. It's 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 just incredible what the left does. The Salem witch trial mentality, it's the same thing with collusion. Well, we didn't say that uh, that Donald Trump was working with the Russians. Uh, we never said that the Wuhan lab was was couldn't be the, the source of COVID. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. You demonized everybody. We didn't really say that Hunter's laptop couldn't, 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 shouldn't, might have, may, maybe was authentic. But every major story that's affected our lives, the lockdowns, the Russian collusion hoax, the known evidence that this crazy plague started in that lab, that the truth that from the very beginning, everybody knew that that laptop was authentic. They were lying to us right. and they demonized people. Right. And, and that's really good. It's very angry. It gets me very angry about what I saw firsthand on the Stanford University campus, these cowards. We didn't have one person in authority to say, you know what? This is ridiculous. I don't care how many people sign a petition trying to disbar Scott Atlas or take away his license or defame Jay Pacharya. 
they ha- they are medical experts and they have dissenting opinions. And if you don't like those opinions and you wage war against them with the war of ideas in journals and in the public discourse, but you do not try to defame them and destroy them personally. And yet no one said that. Not one person that was an authority that had the authority to stop it. Dude, the truth is the is the enemy of 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 the left. It is uh, I don't recall is uh, it's not only James Comey. It is Alger Hiss two hundred and forty five times James Comey. Yeah, remember it's he's hundred. a hero. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> Think of that. It's just like yeah. you. We talked about that column I wrote. The unimaginable. It just it's just unimaginable that the head of the FBI 245 times under oath would say, I can't remember. And then his successor would lie four times to a federal investigator with no consequences. Then his successor, Christopher Race, I can't answer that. I got to get in my FBI private jet and fly to the Ariane docks. Mm-hmm. Or the first one in the sequence of liars. How, how could how, how could old Bob Mueller get under oath and say with a straight face he doesn't know what the steel dossier and fusion GPS is? That was the right. pillars of his investigation. So it, it's yeah. all I can say is if everybody goes out and votes and there is what I think there's going to be a tsunami, you can chew gum, talk at the same time. And you can have a legislative agenda. It'll be vetoed by Biden, but you can have an agenda and you can have investigative reporting. And when they bring Anthony Fauci in and they see how he manipulated stories about the Wuhan origins and about funneling money to conduct gain of function research, it was illegal in the United States, but he funded it in China. And then he and Francis Collins made an effort to suppress revelations of that funding, either by a wink and a nod of well we're in control of 50 billion dollars in federal health grants who maybe kind of maybe they won't be issued to certain people or that they redact it that's going to come out he's going to have to come before congress and because the democrats have now established the precedent that you can't do the eric holder you can't say i'm not coming to a congressional subpoena i'm eric holder no 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 if they're going to put people under subpoena, they're going to put him in jail if they resist the subpoena. Anthony Fauci is going to have to go. And he's going to have to explain things under oath. Yeah. And there's a lot of people. I think they're going to bring back James Comey and they're going to ask him, did you knowingly take a dossier? Did you knowingly take a dossier and you said under oath or through an affidavit, it was a valid piece of evidence to a FISA judge at the same exactly. time right. you were offering $1 million if Christopher Steele could substantiate one blank, blank thing in that dog and he couldn't do it. And you knew that. And yet you passed it off as authentic and you helped change the course of history by doing that. So there's going to be a lot of investigations. I won't even get into the investigation of Hunter laptop. That laptop has been sent around now by that organization that has access to it with 2000 footnotes. Right. And I don't know what they count. I've lost count. They were, they were saying there were 300 felonies, they think, 400 felonies. It's just an incredible amount of felonies. That, well, plus, that, that, plus, plus, Victor, his laptop aside, this Chinese woman, Chinese spy was his secretary. This is insane. <laughs> the, 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 clearly, uh, is it any more had, insane? They have the Chinese... goods on the whole, the freaking president of the United States. Uh, China has the, the Chinese goods Chinese chauffeur of Dianne Feinstein when she was head of the Senate Intelligence Committee? Oh, I mean, 
gosh, and why her husband had sizable, late husband had sizable financial holdings in China. And she's the head of the intelligence committee. And she's on the phone talking about security matters where her driver is what? Oh, don't say anything that's racist. Is that what the, is that what the, I don't know what the excuse was, but that went on for years and she wasn't charged. She wasn't charged with lax, nothing. So this, this is what everybody understands. If you are hard left or liberal or progressive, whatever term you use, it's like going into an insurance agency and buying an insurance policy. And it says you can commit felonies if you're Anthony Fauci, maybe, or for sure, probably one of the FBI directors, and you're not going to have any consequences. Yeah. If you're a no. pro-life dad who defends your kid outside no. of the clinic, uh, you're you're going to have your house broken into by an FBI SWAT team. You know. So but if you uh, throw a, a firebomb through the window, nobody's going to care. Yeah. Sure. Nobody's going to care yeah. at all. Well, Victor, you know what? There's more political stuff. You talked about the uh, what you believe is a forthcoming tsunami, and I just want to read a couple of uh, most recent a poll results, but then as a precursor to getting your thoughts, deeper thoughts on uh, what's occurred over the last few days with the attack on Paul Pelosi. I know you have a piece coming up in American Greatness on that, and we're going to get your thoughts on these things, Victor, right after this important message. Have you heard of cancer-fighting foods? The American Cancer Society discovered diets rich in fruits and veggies may actually lower lower your risk of cancer. Hopefully you hear this and run to the store for five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. If not, you should consider adding Field of Greens to your daily health regimen. Each fruit and veggie in Field of Greens was doctor selected for studied health benefits. There's a heart health group, lungs, kidneys, and metabolism groups, even healthy weight. What your body needs is found in each scoop of delicious field of greens. Will field of greens prevent, treat, or cure cancer? No, but it's so powerful, it promises at your next checkup, your doctor will notice your improved health or your money back. I got you 15% off and free rush shipping. Visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code VICTOR, V-I-C-T-O-R, for your discount. That's promo code VICTOR at fieldofgreens.com, fieldofgreens.com. Hey, folks, if you've been listening to our show, you've probably heard Victor talk about Hillsdale College. It's one of the few colleges in the U.S. still interested in teaching truth. What you probably didn't know is that they have over 40 free online courses, and Victor is one of the professors in three of those courses, American Citizenship and its decline based on Victor's book, The Dying Citizen, how progressive elites, tribalism, and globalization are destroying the idea of America, the Second World Wars, based on his book by the same name, and Athens and Sparta, partly based on his book, A War Like No Other, How the Athenians and Spartans Fought the Peloponnesian War. Don't you wish Victor would have been one of your professors in college? Well, now you can join him as he covers some of the main ideas of his books with Hillsdale College's online courses, all available for free. That's right, for free. The courses are seven to nine episodes long, and they are self-spaced, so you can take them whenever and wherever. I think I'm going to start with 
American Citizenship and Its Decline, where Victor explores the history of citizenship in the West and the threats it faces today. Threats like the erosion of the middle class, the disappearance of our borders, the growth of an unaccountable deep state, and the rise of globalist organizations. Hey, start your free course with Victor Davis Hansen today. Go right now to hillsdale.edu slash vdh to start. It's free and it's easy to get started. That's hillsdale.edu slash vdh to start. hillsdale.edu slash vdh. We're back with the Victor Davis Hansen show. So, Victor, uh, I'm not ex- uh, expecting you to comment on on these, but I just want to make note of the of uh, some of the following um, numbers I've seen of tightening races. I saw a uh, on Real Clear, I think it was on Real Clear Politics, New Hampshire Journal poll of 1,098 likely voters now has Hassan and Bolduc, the Republican, conservative Republican, tied at 45%. In um, Washington state, a Trafalgar poll has uh, the Republican conservative Smiley one point behind Patty Murray, who has got to be the dullest politician in America. That's a poll of 1,207 likely voters I can't attribute this poll. I don't know where I found it. I didn't write the note down, but Lisa in in Alaska, and we're going to, if we have time, we're going to talk about Alaska's uh, stacked voting system. Murkowski is in uh, 42%, Kelly Chewbacca 41 and the Democrat, Pat uh, Chesbro quite behind at 17%. Um, gosh, I thought I had one other race. I want. But let me just uh, mouth off quickly, Victor, and then we'll get to Pelosi uh let's see in oregon the oregon governor's race has uh christine uh drazen drazen ahead of uh tina kolek this is a trafalgar poll 41 uh, by a point 41 40 new mexico governor's race um michelle lujan grisham the democrat is at 45.5 percent but the republican mark ranchwell is ahead 46 point uh, six. The in Michigan, uh, Dixon, the Republican, is but a, a half point, a half of a point behind Gretchen Whitmer. Um, these are all Trafalgar polls I'm looking at. In Minnesota, the Republican teams, uh, uh, Jensen and Burke, are a point ahead of the Democrats, Waltz and and Flanagan. Uh, so any, anyway, I'm just I'm looking at Trafalgar's uh, website. So. Yeah, Victor, I, I do think, um, wow, these are, if you're a Republican, if you're a partisan person, these polls are, are very uh, heartening. And if, you know, if New Hampshire's in play, you just got to think, well, holy crap, they may run the table on election day. And who knows, maybe say states like Colorado could be picked up in the Senate. So, okay, Victor, th- those aside, again, uh, you mentioned you have, a, tell me anyway, you have a piece coming out. Uh, I think it's tomorrow on American greatness. You've you've talked about the Paul Pelosi um, attack. Uh, again, we talked earlier there. Uh, meet the press this morning. We're recording on Sunday. There's talk, there's evidence that there was a third person in the house. Maybe actually even opened the door 
for the attacker. I mean, like, what the hell's going on here? Yeah, um, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I'm not a conspiracy. I get emails that people write me. When are you going to write about this? I, I read very carefully. I don't want to. I don't rush to judgment like the left. Remember that Jesse Smollett rushed the judgment by people like Nancy Pelosi. But yeah, yeah. Uh, given the DUI incident where they were not transparent immediately remember we had to wait and wait and wait first it was a collision he was in a collision and then there were police officers who came later to the scene and then there was a dui test and then we found out that he flashed some kind of donation card to police fraternal organizations and then it went on and on so the initial report was that this person who was a right-wing anti-Semite burst into the house and attacked him with a hammer, and then a brilliant uh, intuitive dispatcher, given Paul Pelosi's brilliant tact of leaving the phone on, could hear the conversation, hear the tremors in his voice, so then sent the police who were there in two minutes, and that saved everything. Okay. But the problem is, number one, the guy is an anti-Semite and white conspiracy, but he's a lot more. He is a left-wing nudist nut. He made marijuana hemp jewelry. He lives in a Berkeley commune. I think Michael Schellenberger has a piece where he went over there and looked at it. There's pride flags. There's BLM flags. He has been accused of molestation by his children. So he is a certifiable nut. And to the extent that he has a political ideology, it's all over the map. Maybe it's right wing now. The other day it was left wing. Maybe tomorrow it'll be left wing. Maybe it'll be right wing. But the idea that this guy is listening to Republican rhetoric and he's going out and attacking people is ridiculous. Number two... He essentially broke in, we were told, to the Pelosi residence, I guess, with a hammer or some type of sharp instrument. And that's what we were told. But when you look at the glass, it doesn't seem like you hit something and the glass goes in. The glass seems to have gone out. When people pick that up, that could happen. Maybe it's no shatter glass. It goes straight down. I've had no shatter. I've looked at glass on the farm a lot, and I've had a lot of broken windows. But usually when somebody has shot, and that's happened two or three times in my porch, when they shoot through the window, the the glass goes in by the force of the projectile, not out. People have mentioned that. I don't understand. So a third person answers the door, but there's an intruder that's loudly broke glass in the house. And then they invite the police in, and they do what? They show the police where to go, to where the, the incident is taking place. But if that's true, why wasn't the third person of some help? If he knows enough to direct the police where to go, or he's expecting the police, he or she or whoever it is, then why wouldn't they earlier have gone in to lend assistance? It doesn't make any sense. Am I wrong about that, Jared? I, unless it was a true coward, yeah. I mean, yeah. why, and, why, why weren't they involved in de-escalating de or whatever? You and then who, had, who brought the hammer? So what I don't understand was, 
the hammer was that the instrument that was used to break the glass to allow the intruder in but then supposedly paul had paul pelosi had the hammer and then they were fighting over the hammer actually victor if i if i may i heard the first report i had from the cops was that he came he had the hammer and came down the stairs with it like it was a he was it was his protection but let me get this scenario right is the police report as i looked at it that they arrive and when they arrive there's not yet there hasn't been an ongoing violent confrontation it begins when they arrive that's or what it's simultaneously seems. when they arrive right and then they at first say drop the hammer to both people and they don't i don't know who and then they intervene but they intervene what too late mm-hmm. and he's been already seriously injured so what i'm getting at is the left wing narrative that this is some right wing anti semitic crazy nut who was enraged after listening to right wing verbiage so he took out his map i guess and knew exactly where the the pelosi home was and then he got got in his car and drove over there in the middle of the night or got his uber so we don't know any of that so before we say anything i think and i'm saying this to the people on the conservative side too before you say anything we need to wait four or five days and we need to find out the following information we need to know why the window how it was broken what instrument broke it we need to know the name and the identity of the third person and what they did before during and after they called the police we need to know when the police what was actually happening when the police confronted the two were they fighting were they not fighting did they begin fighting and we need to know does the person have a map people said he had a list of other people he wanted to attack let's see the list etc but that didn't stop people it's Jesse Smollett all over again all of a sudden they're all over the whole thing right and of course there's irony here and if you mention the irony then you're a uh horrible person but Rand Paul tweeted out that Nancy Pelosi's daughter when he was hit and remember when he was tackled when he wasn't looking didn't have time to brace right so he had a punctured lung that turned into pneumonia and he had to have part of his lung removed and then he, he when he got cold he he wasn't the same and if you look at him he's aged Right. He's, he's been six, ill. Right. Six ribs broken. It was, six ribs, it was a horrific thing. And, and Nancy Pelosi's daughter tweeted, the neighbor was right. Right. Yeah. And that's been deleted, but there's a screenshot of it. And then you you add into this that not very long ago, after an assassin, Mr. Roach, showed up at the step, doorstep, nearly, figuratively, but near near the house of Brett Kavanaugh with the appurtenances to kill him and it was talked out of it, I guess, by a family member, then there was outrage there, and because the people were protesting and there was never any connection between Chuck Schumer going to the doors of the Supreme Court two years earlier in March 2020 and saying, you're going to reap the whirlwind if you go ahead with this, i.e., Peel Roe versus Wade, and you're not going to know what hits you, Gorsuch and Kavanaugh. Hits you. That's about as volatile 
and stupid and dangerous a thing to do to get in front of a violently angry crowd go to the doors of the supreme court call out two justices by their names mm -hmm. say they're going to reap the whirlwind i.e they seeded the wind and they're not going to know what hit them and then have so, people sounds insurrectionist to me two years later a person go up and show up there and not one peep from anybody on the left about people outside justice's home or the fact that Brett Covenant was in a restaurant and they tried to run him out they did run him out of their restaurant and they hounded hounded him and my there point was a is peep. there was a peep Victor AOC mocked him yeah they did uh, just like they mocked Donald Trump uh on May 31st when they torched the St John's Episcopal Church and they tried to storm the White House grounds the New York Times ran Trump flees into his bunker as if he's a coward he's supposed to stand there and fight the mob on the White House grounds that's an insurrection I think but the point I'm making is that that uh there was a there wasn't any anger about this but but there was a discussion that the Supreme Court justices needed personal protection. And the bipartisan Senate passed a law funding or asking for the House to quickly do its part and pass it to give the justices protection. And who held that up? The Democrats and Nancy Pelosi. She said, they're not in danger right now. They're not in danger this weekend, even though they had uh, a majority port. She would not put that Senate pass bill because either she thought that Joe Biden would have to veto it or that it, if they approved it, then it made them look like there was a real threat. In other words, Nancy Pelosi was thinking, hmm. If I pass this bill that says the justices need protection after this crazy pro-abortion nut shows up and wants to kill a justice, then I'm trying, then I am legitimizing the threat that it's real and that the justices need protection from people on, that are so crazy about abortion, they'll show up and try to kill them. So I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to let it settle down. And people for forget, then I'll then I'll do it. But I'm and she did. She held it up. And so there's an irony here. And I wish the best for Paul Pelosi. He's 82 to be hit at that age at 82. It's gonna be some, you know, I, I had a severe concussion when I was 62 on a bike failure. And you get a fracture or a concussion, it it's bad. And when they say well, he's going to make a full recovery. They don't know that. He could be very ill from surgery on the brain. And uh, so I, I have great sympathy for him, but it's incumbent now because this is right before the election. And we saw, as I said, what happened with the Tree of Life synagogue in 2018, right. how they demagogued that incident and they demagogued the mail-in balloting to form a lie that there was a wild white supremacist anti-semitic cabal that was fed and nourished on right-wing dogma and that was right before the 2018 midterms and it really hurt that i think it helped them lose six or seven key seats that were very close and they're doing the same thing right now right before yeah. the midterm and that this time it's not going to work
this is the uh, crisis, one of the crises that that should not go to waste uh, politically from Democrat oh, uh, perspective. Absolutely. absolutely. And, Victor, I also want to mention on this, and then then we'll move on to another topic. Uh, you remember Lee, Lee's out was the you know most pathetic knife at- attack attempt in in recent history. But who wants any knife attack? But Lee Zeldin, the, the Republican candidate for governor, was you know uh, was what, ha- what happened to that person? Was, uh, he was let. He's out now. He was mm-hmm. let out a few weeks later to an alcohol recovery. He was just an alcoholic. He was not fed on left-wing rhetoric, we were told. Right. And the same is true with James Hodgkin, who was a admitted left-wing activist, was in the pay of Bernie Sanders' campaign at one point, and he went out hunting for Republican legislature. He shot, shot six people and almost killed Steve Scalise. Nobody said that was a result of left-wing, uh, anti-Trump right. activism, anti-Republic activism. Right. So there's, yeah. a, there's a pattern here. And that is when a conservative gets attacked, it has nothing to do with any left-wing rhetoric. It only happens the other way around. Right. And then the second thing is that left-wing people, when they talk about violence or insurrection or anger, that has no consequences. So when Barack Obama said, get in their face as a candidate, or he said, I'm, you know, take a gun from a knife fight. I'm here in Philadelphia and I hear you guys love a good brawl. Or when he said, I don't think you should not get angry. I want you to get angry. That has no consequences. Right. Anybody actually takes him up on that or one of all the violent acts that happened in Chicago. Or if you're Hannah Nicole Jones, right at the heart of the rioting and you said taking looting is not a crime. Usually people don't like their stuff taken, but these are unusual times. That had nothing to do with it. And then 17 days after the attack on the Trump White House grounds and the, the trying to torch the St. John's Episcopal Church and the crowd in Lafayette, BLM and Antifa motivated, if you're Kamala Harris, U.S. Senator and soon to be Vice President, 17 days later, she said, these protests are not going to stop. They shouldn't stop. They're going to go on and on and on. And then our quote, unquote, fact checkers, remember that discredited genre? They right. said, well, you don't know the context. She was only referring to nonviolent protests. No, yeah. it was 17 days after they, the worst, one of the worst riots in our history in Washington, the Capitol, and I didn't see 30,000 federal troops and Bob wire in reaction to it. But that's not inciting, nor is, as we said earlier, is Schumer inciting. Right. Or is Madonna, Jack, when she on Inauguration Day said she dreams of blowing up the White House? That is not inciting. Nor is Joe Biden when he calls p- people semi-fascist. And then in that Phantom of the Opera speech that I think John Meacham had a hand in writing. Remember that speech? Yeah. In September. And yeah. he says that half the country lives in the shadow of lies and the darkness as if there's some kind of Morlocks or orcs or something. So if that's true, and according to Joe Biden, that half the people are insurrectionaries, they don't believe in democracy, they live in the shadow of light. Well, what do you do to them? Do you unleash the FBI at them? Do you unleash the IRS at them? What do you do? Do you put them in jail without any sentence and put them in solitary for a year to make them think about it? Do you put leg irons on them or do you get them out in the middle of the night in their underwear? Is that what you do? So 
that rhetoric under this paradigm has no effect. It's only, and then of course it's projectionism. Just like Stacey Abrams will deny, deny, deny that she lost the election, just like Hillary will deny, deny, and say Trump, then they will accuse people of voter suppression or rigging a Hillary just did it again. Same thing about racism. You can say, boy, you can say you ain't black, you can say junkie, you can say Obama's the first articulate black person who's ever ran for president. You can say donut franchises in Delaware are all full of a bunch of Indians, but you're the authority on calling other people racist. You can say it's racist to be in an airplane and be an economy because there's too oh many gosh. people of color. They don't have yeah, he did it. I know. <laughs> so, so that um, you can collude. You can hire Chris. You can hire Charles Dolan, and you can hire Dushenko to give Russian-fed lies to Christopher Steele to destroy an, a campaign, a transition, and a presidency. And they are the colluders, not you. You are the colluder. So what they do is whatever they do, they project, and they know that they can say all the incendiary rhetoric they want inflammable rhetoric right and no consequences because they're accusing other people of doing what they're doing do you remember that if you were a store owner in, in america i know this happened in new york city in um, the last week of october first week of november of 2020 what were they doing they were boarding up their windows again yeah. why not because joe biden was going to win the thought it was the thought that donald trump might might win well, I mean, we, yeah, just remember molly ball her time essay that infamous february 2021 essay where she gushed to brag i've kind of beaten that story to death in columns but what she did was she wrote and said hey this was so great we had a cabal we had a conspiracy we got silicon valley money to go into pre-selected uh, precincts to MAGA the vote, i.e. to warp the vote. Wow, we got Chamber of Commerce and we got big corporate people to come out against Trump. And we even talked to the demonstrators so we could modulate the demonstrations and they kind of, whether they taper off or they were ready to get back, Jack. If Donald Trump won, they were ready to go right back out there. And she was gushing about how wonderful that was. And then everybody goes, ah, Molly. Why'd you write that? Gosh, use the word conspiracy. Use the word cabal. All you're doing is suggesting that some of those guys who protested in January 6th were onto something. Don't do that. That was a reaction to it. She didn't mean that. Fact check. Cabal was used in a satirical sense. Conspiracy was not meant to be taken literally. That's how the fact checkers. Man, that is one hell of a discredited genre. Fact checking. Right. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Victor, we're going to talk about, switch a little bit here, and we're going to talk about uh, foreign policy, actually military uh, policy, and um, a new issue of Strategica, the magazine, the online magazine you oversee at the Hoover Institution. And we're going to get your thoughts about this new issue right after these important messages. At Just the News, we break the stories others in the media ignore or are too afraid to tell. We did it on Russia collusion, Hunter Biden, and the security and intelligence failures that preceded January 6th. Our stories have real impact and reach because we stick to the facts. I'm John Solomon. You can help me expand our honest, unvarnished, 
and unbiased reporting by becoming a premium member at Just the News. You'll get an ad-free experience and exclusive member-only access to events, and you'll be helping us dig up more truth. Join today at justthenews.com slash subscribe. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. We're back with the Victor Davis Hanson Show. The mothership of uh, the Victor Davis Hanson Show is uh, John Solomon's JustTheNews.com. And uh, Victor writes, Victor's own mothership, if I can call it that. Where does he hang his hat online? It's VictorHanson.com. You should visit it and you should subscribe to it because Victor writes a lot of material exclusively for his website, probably three pieces a week. It's terrific stuff. You can't read it unless you subscribe. I think it's very reasonable. $5 will get you in the door. Uh, Test drive uh, the the website. You're going to love it. You're going to wish you had done it sooner. It's $50 for a year at the discounted rate. You'll find links to everything Victor does, uh, appearances he's made on other podcasts and and shows. You'll find them there. So that's um, Victor Hanson. Dot com is for me, Jack Fowler. I write Civil Thoughts, the free weekly email newsletter that's published by the Center for Civil Society at American Philanthropic. And I'd like to encourage you to subscribe. The magic word I said was free. We're not accumulating your name, giving to any selling lists. What Civil Thoughts is, is a recommended 12 to 14 readings interesting stuff that have come across in the previous week. I think you'll like it. I know a lot of people have listened to the show, have signed up and do uh, indeed enjoy it and thank them uh, for doing so. So that's civilthoughts.com. That's where you can find that. Um, Strategica is the um, online journal that um, it's, its subhead is conflicts of the past are lessons for the present, the new, uh, new, um, uh, issue is number 81. Uh, Victor is the um, editor-in-chief, we'll say, of Strategic. It's very important. Military historians come and look at current um, current situations, not only foreign policy, but also military. This one happens to be mil- military. And it's uh, rethinking major interventions abroad. And Victor, you have a the, the lead piece uh, in this uh, issue is by Williamson Murray, who's written before. Let me just, if you don't indulge me here, folks, a second, and then let's get Victor's thoughts about this uh, rethinking of of, uh, U.S. military intervention abroad. And here's what Here's the the lead of uh, Williamson Murray's uh, piece. He he wrote, any major intervention abroad, if it is to achieve a lasting political settlement, will almost inevitably involve the commitment of ground forces. America's air and naval forces are impressive, and there are are few, if any, who can match them. But in the end, air and naval forces cannot seize, much less hold ground. 
The bottom line is that, is that the United States will have to commit its ground forces in defense of its interests as well as those of its allies if it is to achieve its larger interests. The problem is that war in the 20th and now the 21st century has come to involve much more than straightforward defeat of enemy conventional forces. It now involves unconventional conflicts, hybrid warfare, the suppression of terrorist movements, and cyber war against unseen enemies. It demands a political and military leadership that understands the historical and political complexities of present and future enemies. Victor, that's a pretty uh, damn impressive kickoff uh, insightful yeah. to uh, to this uh, issue. Uh, and there, I think there, there are two other pieces in this yeah. by uh, Gibson and Joseph yeah. Jaffe. So, Victor, tell us about this particular issue of yeah. uh, Strategica. Well, everybody should try to look at Strategica. It's in its ninth year, and Jack said it's 81 issues online. And we do something differently than most uh, online journals about war or strategy or and that is we have a what we call a backgrounder. And this is the background. It's a long essay that uh, covers the landscape. And then we try to get op-eds. In this case, we have one by Joe Joff, the editor of Der Zeit. I think some of you knew Joe Joff as the European editor for a while. I think he may still be of Newsweek. And then we, of course, had Chris Gibson. He was a U.S. congressman, Jack, for three terms and uh, a military veteran and decorated lieutenant colonel in Iraq. I went over, I was embedded twice, and once I I saw Chris over there, and he's a very courageous guy, and he's president of a small college in New England now. But uh, Wick Murray is, I think everybody understands, he's a, the, I, I think it wouldn't be an exaggeration, say the live, the most distinguished living American historian of the Luftwaffe. And he, his contribution to military history is he really showed how the Luftwaffe went from a preeminent military arm of the Third Reich to absolutely being destroyed in about 14 months. And that was due to uh, underappreciated American strategic bombing in World War II that really hit fuel supplies and transportation of fuels. And then indirectly meant that the Luftwaffe pilots were not going to have enough fuel to get the necessary training hours when they went up in the sky and then they were being slaughtered by p-51 and p-47 americans in better planes with better training and more hours under their belt and by 1944 late 44 there was no luftwaffe as an effective arm maybe until the me-262 jets came but that was just a temporary pause but it was it's a brilliant series of books he wrote on world war ii a War to Be Won was also, a, he co-authored. And he, in this piece, has a long essay. And his argument is simple, I think. And it is that we have kind of dismissed the need to put ground troops abroad, particularly in the Middle East, because it doesn't end up well in Afghanistan or Syria or Iraq or anywhere we are, Mogadishu. And he's right. And what he's saying is that Ostensibly, we don't want to do that anymore because no matter how tactically, tactically successful they are, and you think of Benghazi with that small skeleton force just really did a number on their attackers. Or you think of Mogadishu and look at Black Hawk Down, read the book, watch the film, read the film, how they, I mean, the, the subtext of that is they just butchered, they really, I don't mean butchered in the 
they really, really did a number on the Somali warlords, even though the mission was kind of stupid. So what I'm getting at is that he he's trying to say that the problem has not been the American fighting man or at the captain, major, lieutenant, colonel, colonel level. Tactically, we win, but strategically, we're inept because we put burdens on these interventions. We either have them last too long or they get sidetracked into idealistic nation building or they have cultural assumptions that about, well, we're going to make them liberal like Carmel, California. No, you're never going to do that. So when you take on these added burdens, it's not just that you can't do it, but it nullifies, it ensures the destruction of the project. That is, the tactical efficacy that you have will be wasted because the strategic goals are either unrealistic or crazy. And in the two subordinate articles, Chris Gibson is trying to, I think, build on that, on Wick saying, he said, you know what, it's nice to talk about democracy, but we're in a real world that's very, very dangerous, and you have to be sort of Jacksonian and realist. So it's you don't get the choice between utopia and hell. You get the choice between 51% and 49% to be an ally with or your strategic interest with. And sometimes... You're going to have to pick. He didn't write this, but he would he would probably argue as bad and horrible as Putin is. It's kind of stupid to send him into the arms of China and India and Turkey and Iran and make a new coalition just because he represents things we don't agree with, i.e. a liberal FDR was willing to ally with the greatest mass murderer in history to the time Joseph Stalin in World War II. And then Joseph Joff is sort of saying you know what, don't go into the Middle East. You just don't understand it. You don't understand Islam. You don't understand this, the Muslim street. It's just not going to work. And so Wick is sort of giving them the ammunition. And then and what he's saying is, though, it would work if you went in there and you went in, in force for a short time and you had leaders and people in the military at the strategic level i.e. one, two, three, four-star and civilian overseers that really understood the culture of Yugoslavia, former Yugoslavia, or what was going on in Libya or the Middle East, but they don't because they're poorly educated and the school and the system of our universities is poor, is bankrupt. So it's really interesting. I picked the issue and some of the mechanics of it, but the managing editor is David Berkey, and he is the one that actually puts the issue together. He gets the illustrations. He does all of the communications with our contributors. And then we have a brilliant editor that helps him, Bruce Thornton. Both are research fellows at the Hoover. And this is, like I said, I think it's a preeminent. And one thing we try to do is we compensate our group very well. So we get people like in the group, Joseph Jaffe or Williamson Worry, but, you know, we get Neil Ferguson and H.R. McMaster and uh, Andrew Roberts, and we had Andrew, late Andrew Cotovia. We get just a wonderful group of people, and we have them across the political spectrum. And I can guarantee you that half of them don't agree with what I believe or what I write, and yet I ask them to join the group, and I encourage them. One of our stalwarts is Ralph Peters, former oh, yeah. uh, Fox military. Right. I don't right. know why he's still not on the air. He was a wonderful contributor. 
Very and, entertaining uh, too. He was. He was colorful. Yeah. He was right, blunt. blunt. He was right. funny. He's a very learned person. I disagreed with him on Donald Trump, but that doesn't mean anything because, right. you know, a guy like that has such talent, and you respect his opinion. So I tried to get people like that in the group, and it was it gets kind of wild sometimes the disagreements, but these issues are very insightful. Yeah. I'm glad that Williamson Murray was is able to. He, he had been ill, but he's getting better. And I can't think of anybody who knows more about the American military in 20th century wars than he does. I, I want to encourage our listeners to uh, to visit the Hoover website. That's Hoover.org. Actually, if you if you can follow this now, it's Hoover.org/slash/publications/slash/strategica. But you know what? Go to hoover.org, type in Strategica, and it will take yeah, you, you know, that, to, that's, to the uh, website. I appreciate that because you know what we do? For every meeting, you have to contribute. We just don't pay people to come and talk. We have, They have to contribute, and not just to the magazine, but to essays. Then we build a corpus of essays, maybe 50 of them. And then for the next year, we add those essays that are relevant to each of the themes. So David Berkey and Bruce Thornton then edit these essays. And so for this issue, you don't just get those three. You get a good essay by Bing West. People know Bing very well. And he's I got Bing. How You Sustain a Military Organization. He's one of our best members of the group. Right. And then we have the very gifted Mark Moyer. Boy, he came on the scene with Victory Denied, you know, or Forsaken, that Cambridge University counter- that contrarian view of the Vietnam War, basically saying that we had won the war and we, until we did a lot of stupid things like assassinate Diem. It was a great right. history. He's a, now a Hillsdale professor of military history. He's got a great partner there, Ed Gutierrez, and a wonderful retired professor, Tom Connor. And that they've got other people there. It's one of the best military history programs that's brand new. And he's got a great essay about the leadership and the support that's needed to do these things. And then we have, uh, he, I'm a big fan of Peter Mansour, and he's sort of saying how we get tired about this. And Peter, of course, has written about the generals in the U.S. Army during World War II. And he's really, a, he's got some great essays and, and a book about the level of command and competence or lack of, of our generals in World War II, something I wrote about in the Second World Wars, and I discovered what a great bibliography Peter had accomplished. And then we have former military strategist and veteran Jerry Hendricks. And, you know, his point is, if you're running a $31 trillion debt and you're underfunding the military and your strategic existential enemies are what? Russia, China, Iran, North Korea? And you're spending a trillion dollars a year in something like Iraq or Afghanistan, you better rethink it. And yeah. there is a connection. And I think Jerry's trying to say, you know, that's the subtext of what he's talking about, that if you're in Afghanistan and you flee, skedaddle mm -hmm. out of there, and you get a Marines blown up for nothing, and you leave a $300 million refitted Bagram Air Force Base, or you leave a billion dollar embassy. Or you leave, and I know this is controversial, everybody, whether it's $5 billion or $60 billion, depending on how you calibrate the real cost, you leave that behind. Right. It's no accident that Vladimir Putin 
a few months later on February 23rd decides to invade Ukraine. Gosh, it all, not at all, it all started on election day, but, but that is the, uh, that botched terrible withdrawal is, has produced so much misery for our, for the entire world. Victor, we have just a little time uh, left. And if, if you may, if you will, uh, since we've talked a lot about politics, I wonder if we could, I wonder if you could just take five minutes uh, uh, and talk about um, Alaska and oh. this ranked and this ranked voting. You know, I want to encourage our listeners to, if they can, check out the Wall Street Journal. This earlier this week, Kim Strassel um, had a who lives in Alaska had a terrific piece on how how ranked voting is is really bogus in many ways. There are many people who who will not rank. They'll vote for who they want, won't, but by not, you know, doing number two and number three, somehow or other, the mathematics of it can end up uh, boomeranging in your face. Lefties have been saying, oh, this is great, rank voting, but it really isn't. It does not produce uh, outcomes that are truly desired by the majority of, of voters. And in, in Alaska, which is a conservative state, I mean, that's so strange that this has ha is happened there. Well, not strange because Lisa Murkowski created it, uh, backed it to, to protect her own political hide. Remember, six years ago, she she won. It was kind of remarkable. She won by write-in campaign, maybe the first and only time that's been done in the U.S. Senate. But she's you know politically tenuous and concocted the scheme for her own protection. Anyway. Victor, great piece by Kim Strassel. I don't know. You, it's not, it seems seems uncitizenly to have this kind of a system. Well, what, what, it what are is, your thoughts? She's a she's a resident of Alaska. I think she called. I I think you're talking to. The, is that that Wall Street Journal really yes. great essay she wrote? When yes. I think she compared it to a crazy sat test or something. Yeah. But what she's saying is that all of these strategists on the left. They calibrate which kind of they get candidates, and then you get X number of votes, and it requires a physics degree to figure out how many of your ranked votes you use and to whom you give them. So it becomes a mathematical process if you've got two conservatives or three Democrats or vice versa, do you just vote for one Democrat and not the other two? Or do you vote for maybe a Republican that can't win? Uh, so that's the formula. And the result is that she I think she said that, you know, a, a state that went 10 percent for Donald Trump and 60, 60, 70 percent uh, Republican or so-called conservative registrations, it, it just elected a Democratic re uh, representative. And Sarah Palin would have easily won that seat if it had been up or down. I feel kind of I have to be very careful because. The intellectual support for and policy uh, promotion of comes from the Hoover Institution. We have a couple of scholars who have insisted that this is more democratic. It's a big left wing thing. And I, I've been, you know, my 13th command is not to criticize a fellow right. Hoover senior fellow. But believe me, it's not a good idea. I think you didn't we use it with the New York Memorial Mayoral race? Yes. And then it took what? 2 weeks to find out what the actual vote would be. Right. And so it's it's a, an idea that was concocted by the left under the guise of more egalitarian voting or the real 
the real feelings of the voter can be manifested in more than just an up or down, yes, no, yeah. this or that. And then what happens is the uh, strategists take over and certain candidates run and then they come out. You have to come up with a sophisticated calculus of how you use your votes rather than just vote for your favorite candidate. It makes it it is a total disconnect with human nature, I think. There's five people and I go, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna give them an order of my preference. But that's not how people vote. And that's not how a lot of people vote. I mean, a lot of people voted for Donald Trump because they hated Hillary Clinton, you know, or or people vice versa, just to pick one 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 election. And with ranked voting with multiple candidates, it almost is like a game of Stratego. You know, it's like it, it, I'm not really giving you my preferences in order. I'm using this scheme in order to um, cut the legs out from from underneath somebody. Absolutely. Else. And, and then what I my biggest complaint when I heard about this crackpot idea and I heard about it at Hoover and I read and researched it. It, for me, it boiled down to this, that most people don't have the time or inclination to study up on two candidates, Republican and Democrat. And so when those candidates are there, then all of this stuff comes out and each side does awful research, right? So take Georgia. So our guy, Herschel Walker, they find uh, that he paid for an abortion. Now they're cute. And their guy, and then they say he was uh, abusive to one of his spouse or whatever. And then their guy ran over his, right? That's the normal yin and yang, sturm and drang of a campaign. But when you multiply that, what if there's five candidates? And how are you ever going to know whether to give your second, third, except sub vote to which candidate when you don't know anything about them? How can the voter process all the people who are potentially going to be recipients from one voter and not from, you know, individual voters? So it means that the individual voter has to take it upon him or her to make informed decisions beyond what one vote is. Right. And in my experience, that's just too much to ask from the American voter. Right. And so people get mixed up. They vote the wrong strategy. They're told by their, you know, their party, do this, vote for this person, but not this person. Or there's three people in your party, but don't vote for two of them or vote for only one, but then don't, you know what I mean? Or vote for the opposite party's worst candidate, you know? Right. Vote for number four Democrat and only number one Republican or number three and four Democrat. It doesn't work. Yeah. And it's a disaster. And then, as she pointed out, as I remember in that article, the judges have to intervene. And then they start saying that this is not constitutional and that is constitutional. It's just a mess. Why do we make things difficult when right. they could be very simple, you know? Yeah. It's to me it's a first cousin of the open primaries, which ah oh, we'll use we'll we'll have our guys go in there and vote. Same against thing, their, jungle you know, primary, to, yeah. It's yeah, just so. same thing. And then I don't know, it's it's yeah. it we all and this these podcasts we're always trying, Jack, to put it into a larger framework or to distill it down to what is the catalyst, what is the instigation, what is the impulse behind it. Right. We know what it is. It always has a similar theme that most people do not want a hard left agenda. It's contrary to right. human nature. So the candidate 
that promotes that will lose if there's enough information out there for the voter at his disposal or if the candidate is candid. And so the left knows that. So they either refuse to debate or they lie about their record or they act as if they're moderate for a few weeks. Or if you're Tom Ryan in Ohio, you're really a centrist Democrat that is, has oh worn yeah. Pelosi all the time. Right. They never run on their record and they never run on their ideology. And then they expect that this rank voting or voter suppression or motor voter ID or early balloting or mail-in balloting at 70% of the electorate or reducing election day to a construct, whatever it is, they look to that rather than to trust just here's the vote, people. Come out on election day. Right. Go on ID like you do, cash a check so we know who you are. Make your list just like we did for 100. You know, and I, I voted... I don't know how many times in person I go to the registrar. They have a list that says Victor Davis Hanson. I show them my ID. They That was all what we did until the left took over California. But they don't want that because that is too democratic. So you do all the other stuff, and then you say democracy dies. Dies in darkness. In darkness these people right. anti-democratic. So we're right. doing all of these machinations and contortions and gymnastics to get the real, the essence, the real American expression. And that's what they do. Right. Well, Victor, that's about all the time uh, we have uh, today for this particular podcast, except we'll uh, do what we do at the end of the show and thank our listeners. And here's... Um, I have a uh, comment to read from uh, somebody who posted this on um, Apple Podcasts, by the way, whatever you listen to, Stitcher, Google Play, et cetera, uh, on Victor's website, Adjust the News. Thank you very much. Apple slash iTunes, you can leave a rating, uh, one to five or zero if you want. If you hate Victor, zero. We're up to five stars. And I have to tell you, 99% of the people who have uh, left uh, ratings have left five stars and we we thank them i guess we're, we're doing something good here actually victor's doing something good here and sammy the great sammy wink so uh folks at um apple who uh, podcast can also leave comments and here's one in victor the headline was written in greek and I, and I ran, I copied and pasted into Google and some listen, listen to the pronunciation. So I'm going to tell, I'm going to say this. It's F Hadi Stowe. Ah, thank you. But you're right. Oh, did I say it right? Did I? Yeah, <laughs> F Hadi Stowe. Okay. That is the third person polite pronoun, uh, polite imperative with the adverb uh, in classical Greek, ooh, ooh. Yeah. Because epsilon, upsilon, but it's f that u that upsilon becomes a hard f in modern greek so it's f haristo let there be good cheer grace to you well that's that is the sentiment so it's, was the right their uh, word thank you thank it was you. the right headline yes so it says here victor and team you are a beacon that uh, illuminates darkness you give this pleb uh, a peek into the unknown i'm elated for each new episode notification as if I was sitting fireside listening to the wisdom-filled words of my grandfather. Wow, we had no, a classical no. reference, pleb. 
Yeah. What, ab- what about an episode or two where, whereby, well, this is a thought, I'm just going to read this, whereby uh, Victor and Thomas Sowell spend some time together on air. Two Titans, one more. How about? I'd love that. But, you know, Tom is, I think, 94 or 95. I just heard from him the other day. I just got a book from him. He sent me a, a very valuable book by Louise Simple, who was a famous geographer in the 1920s. And he gave me one of his copies. Oh, so I, we correspond, but I haven't, I confess, I haven't, I think it's because I, I had COVID and long COVID. I didn't want to, you know, Tom was right. somewhat right. vulnerable because of his age. So I didn't want to go and bug him, but I I, that's a good idea. I know that uh, we're going to have some interviews as we did before with Steve, Dr. Stephen Quay and Devin Nunez. We're going to have uh, Scott Atlas on. And um, some others. We have about- man, Troy Senek. Troy yeah. Senek, yeah. We're going to have Troy on on his uh, Glover Cleveland book. Yeah. And I have a few others. So we're going to try to do that maybe once or twice a month. Yeah, that'll be terrific. Well, let me just finish up here. This uh, this one other suggestion. And uh, I, I think this, we, we should consider this for sometimes when you're away and we have pre-recorded podcasts. Uh, this is well, how about a list of must-reads for those of us who want to expand our minds in a way to be more useful to those around us and society at large, i.e. be more like VDH. And this is written by 5UA5 Pont, Ponty, 5UA5 Ponty. Thank you. Oh, uh, <laughs> for your the kindness of the comments and the thoughts you gave us. We will uh, consider them and see how practical they are. So, Victor, thanks uh, to the, to all who leave comments. We read them all. Thanks to you, Victor. You were terrific today as ever. And all our listeners, we will be back soon. Oh, wait, if you're Catholic and you still have time, it's November 1st. You better go to Mass. It's a holy day of obligation. <laughs> uh, thanks for listening. And we'll be back soon with another episode of the Victor Davis Hanson Show. Thank you again, everyone. Hey there, it's Amanda Head, and I am thrilled to introduce to you my new exciting podcast, Furthermore, with Amanda Head, broadcasting weekly from sunny Los Angeles, California, and brought to you by the dynamic Just the News Podcast Network. On this fresh and engaging podcast, I delve into the latest news with a little bit of a twist, exploring the furthermore of every story. But this isn't your typical run-of-the-mill news commentary or politically charged program. I interview a diverse range of guests, including business leaders, entertainers, musicians, educators, experts, politicians, and many influential figures from both the United States and around the world. So why not make your Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays a little more interesting? Tune in on your preferred podcast platform and discover furthermore with Amanda Head on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And don't forget to hit that follow or subscribe button and be sure to download the latest episodes. I can't wait to have you join me on this exciting journey.